So here is the big question. How do entrepreneurs like us, who started sales or direct selling or network marketing, how did we start our journey but now feel stuck, feel like we're struggling or we can't level up to where we want to be, where we know we can be? How do we break through and prove everybody wrong, everybody wrong. show ourselves that we are successful and show ourselves that we can win? That is the big question. And this is the podcast that will give you the answers. My name is Lisa Hawker, and this is Direct AF Sales. We have in in studio today, we have a friend of this, the podcast. I have to introduce Lisa. This is Lisa Hawker. I want to introduce Lisa. I want to give her the dudes that she deserves. Absolutely. Mother, entrepreneur, recovering what did you say recovering trial attorney recovery trial attorney that made me laugh uh author yes i would say inventor somewhat because yeah Yeah. creator creator that's a good one is there anything i'm missing mother you said mother right off the top yeah because i no i think you covered it very good well lisa's here and the reason the segue to the skincare is in (laughs) there is because the reason i even know lisa is because she helps my skin be mm. the best it can be. I buy my skincare products, Roldan and Fields, from Lisa. Also, Lisa has her own podcast. She does have her own podcast. That's right. We missed that pod- podcaster. 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 Podcast producer and creator. Plug your podcast. What's the name of it? So it's Direct AF. Mm-hmm. And yes, AF is what you think it is. <laughs> yes. yes, it is. Yes. Direct AF. What does that mean? It's also the title of your book. It is. Yeah. So you know what AF stands for. I, I do. don't know if I'm allowed to say that on your show. <laughs> it's but, whatever you um, want to do is fine. So I so you want me to explain where I got that name from? Well, or yeah, and what does it apply that? to? Well, it applies to my f- style of communication, um, both in court and now out of court. And um, in the way I approach my life, in the way I approach my business, um, and the way I teach other people to sort of approach their businesses, you have to be genuine, authentic, honest, and direct. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, relationships are better off for it. Communication is better off for it. Um, and it makes life easier. And you said that you're a recovering <laughs> attorney. Right. Uh, so that's not your job now. What do you do with Rodan and Fields? So, okay. So I'm going to start from the very beginning. And by the way, yeah. earlier, before we started recording, we said that you weren't so much of a marketer. You're an excellent marketer. I'm just marketing on- <laughs> up a storm right here. Just watch me go. We have a problem marketing ourselves. <laughs> I guess that's it. I'd love to market you. What I want to make sure that I get out there is that I adjusted my course mm-hmm. <laughs> because my... I think what I wanted was so much stronger than the fear. Mm. And so I think, you know, sometimes people really need to get to a point where <laughs> where they're just sick and tired of being sick and tired. And so they're ready to jump, even if they're afraid. So, yeah. so I grew up in New York, and I knew I was a rare um, 
and lucky person because I knew what I wanted to do with my life from a very early age. I knew when I was 16 years old, sitting in study hall. Now, this is 1986, back when everybody had study hall. I grew up in New York. So I don't know if you guys had that out here in California. You did. Mm -hmm. And did the teachers put, you know, magazines... I don't know, for some of the millennials, there are things called magazines. <laughs> they have that paper. Are paper. Oh, I've heard. <laughs> no. What was, so they'd So have... we had like Time and Newsweek oh. and, you know, stuff like that. Almost okay. like at a dentist's office, you know, where they leave stuff out for <laughs> yeah. you to look at. And yeah. I remember, um, you know, looking across the table and seeing what caught my interest. And what caught my eye at that particular day was, um, I think it was a Time uh, magazine and it was an article about or there's a picture of a woman on the front and she was young and she had um, those black prosthetic arms her arms had been um, cut off above the elbow and she was holding a baby so I was like what Happened is going on here so I, I took a look at the article, and it was a story, a true story, about um, a young woman, 15 years old. She was hitchhiking in Florida, and a van pulled over, picked her up, and it was this, you know, horrible criminal who raped her, sodomized her, and left her in a ditch and cut off both of her arms with an axe. And she survived, um, got to safety, and as a result of the rape, um, became pregnant and kept the baby and so that was the baby that unbelievable right so i i was so like furious and had all of this like righteous indignation like i need to do something i need to do something with my life where i contribute to situations like this in some way and i knew right away it wasn't going to be as a therapist or a psychologist (laughs) helping either one of them i just wanted to make sure that he was locked up and never got out and people don't do this kind of stuff and if they do they get have to pay the price that's right that's exactly right that's what i felt and so i decided i was going to be a prosecutor Right there. Mm-hmm. At 16, At you 16. decided, I'm, that's my, that's that's my job. It. That's what I'm going to do. And I did. And I went to college in Boston, left New York, went to college and law school in Boston, graduated, um, had to decide, was I going to take the California three-day bar and just get it over with, <laughs> or the Massachusetts two-day bar, and I picked California. Um, I was bartending on Haight Street. At a no. restaurant that doesn't exist anymore called oh. Kansman. It was a Middle Eastern restaurant. Oh, my God. I ate all the olives. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yes. Uh, and smoked all the hookah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I was at work behind the bar when I got the call from the Lake County District Attorney's Office offering me a job as a prosecutor. So I took it not knowing that it was like, rural Alabama practically. Yeah, I have no idea coming from New York. So Lake County is north of Napa and east of Mendocino. Oh. Trucks, cowboy boots, gun uh, racks. I'm from Northern California. I've never heard of Lake County. I took the job <laughs> and I learned a lot. Yeah, and I had I, I think my first felony was an animal cruelty case. Oh, interesting. Okay. That was a felony animal I made case. it a felony. Oh, you did? <laughs> I filed it as a felony. You because stepped that this thing guy, up. I stepped it up. Mm-hmm. This guy took a rabbit. Oh, no. And chopped its ears off oh. in front of a kitten. I don't know if you've 
if you know this, I only know this because I lived in Lake County and prosecuted this case, but they scream like a child. They do. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. It's horrific. It's terrible. Convicted him. Good. Did he do time? Yeah. Did he? <laughs> That's because Governor Newsom wasn't the governor at the time. <laughs> Getting political. Oh, yeah. Forgot. Already. We're not doing that. We're in 10 minutes and already. <laughs> well, it was also like 1997. <sighs> so it was a different California back then. Right. For sure. But, you know, animal rights are kind of the new thing people weren't really like that worried about animals at that time i don't feel like so that's well kind especially of a in a win. rural area like right. that where lisa's like, saying everybody had a gun rack right. i've told this story before it wasn't until i got to college that i became aware that when you buy a truck it doesn't come with a gun rack <laughs> you have to buy it and install it i'm like really because every truck i've been has a gun rack i didn't right so this is very rural where animals are just sort of part of the thing right and it's they're not seen as special or pets or whatever so that must have been quite something to well it was also he also had a really long record okay okay so that helped with regard to the sentencing sure and then it was also done in front of a five-year-old and so that was sort of a circumstance (laughs) and aggravation you know so but okay whatever and then so a couple of horse starvation cases yeah (sighs) anyway my then husband who's now my ex-husband decided I'm going to go to law school. I was like, great. We moved down here to Orange County. He became a fantastic lawyer. He's currently a lawyer in the Orange County Public Defender's Office. Phenomenal. Hmm. And and I was a prosecutor down here for many years. Anyway, this is taking way too long. No. So so life happened, and my ex-husband and I decided to move back to Massachusetts for a short period of time. And it was there that I became a defense attorney, a public defender. And I I didn't think I'd like it, you know. But it turned out that I loved it just as much as I loved being a prosecutor. Really? Um, Yeah. You're doing the Lord's work, though, because you don't know who you're getting day in and day out. And it really didn't matter. It didn't? No. No. The judgment went out the window pretty quickly. So do you want to hear about my first... Uh, 100%. Okay. I don't know what you're going to say next, but yes. <laughs> That's the beauty of me. No one ever really knows what I'm going to say next. Yes. And my perfect for our podcast. My current husband, my current and final husband, Tony. <laughs> he's along for the ride. That's right. Oh, he's locked in. Yeah. Our husbands are the same thing. Our husbands are like, uh-oh, what's going to come out of their yeah. mouth? They you need should... to see his face when I'm at a party and he's just like, I've seen that look. <laughs> What's going to come out of her mouth next? What is she over there talking about? Yeah. They might want to form like a support group, <laughs> the three of them, and just be like, listen, we're not alone. <laughs> so go on. So I'm I'm sitting there. It's my very first case in Massachusetts, and it's a rape sodomy. Mm. Wow. Isn't that ironic? <sighs> That's what got you into it and here full circle, right? Full, sort of. Yeah. So um, I'm reading the police report, and um, it's a case. This, the way the police report read was my client, along with two other people, picked a girl up on the side of the road in oh. a truck. Similarity, oh, right? Yeah. And um, they drove her to some remote location. They allegedly raped her and sodomized her, left her without her pants, and she was left on the side of the road to walk back home. Okay. So I pick up the phone and I call my old boss and I'm like, <laughs> I want to move back to Orange County. <laughs> yeah. I want my old job as a prosecutor back. I don't want to go to the jail. I don't want to talk to this person. 
He's like, put your big girl panties on and go do your job. You're not moving back, okay? So I went to the jail, which is a very interesting experience the first time you go. And back then, there wasn't, you know, your knee-to-knee, belly-to-belly with your client. And I was freaked out. And I was, I had already judged based on the report. Because up until this year, up until this moment, I had spent six years working with the cops, yeah, right. working with you on know, the other side. On the other side, yeah. so I'd already decided mm-hmm. police reports tell the truth, and they do. But there's three sides to every story. Mm. There's the police report side, there's the client side, and then there's the truth, right? Mm-hmm. So I I talked with him, and the truth was that. Um, the alleged victim, my client, and his two friends all knew each other from high school. Okay? okay? They didn't pick her up on the side of the road. They met her at a predetermined location after she had agreed to have sex with my client and anybody else that he brought. No. There was a videotape showing it was totally consensual. There was no sodomy. There was no rape. There was only consensual sex, all on video. The reason it wasn't in the police report is because they didn't have that side of the story. No, they only had the victims. They only had the alleged victims. victims. That was the alleged victim side. Why did she lie? Well, when she got caught at 3 in the morning coming home because her boyfriend kept Mm -hmm. calling and woke up the people she was living with she felt trapped and made it up now can you imagine a bigger blessing for me let's focus on me please okay, let's not talk about my client let's talk about me i insist first defense case everything was black and white for me up until then there's 50 shades of gray no pun intended in this case <laughs> yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah. right yeah what a blessing right if that's not a god thing i don't know what is and so the, you know, after he spent a couple of weeks in, in jail, um, because the bail was so high and he couldn't bail out, um, it was dismissed with prejudice, meaning they can't refile. And no, they did not file any false allegation case against the complaining witness or alleged victim. That's So that was your first experience in that capacity. Right. So think about what an impression that would have made on on you if you were in my my situation. You know, I I prejudged this young man and it was it was not a not guilty. It was a factually innocent. Right. So the verdicts are guilty or not guilty. But there really is a third option. And that is like when the murder was committed in North Carolina, I was in Paris, and here's the proof, like factually innocent. So right. there's a difference between not guilty in my mind and factually innocent. But so fast forward, I um, am working as a public defender. I'm there, you know, a minimum of nine to five, usually longer. And I'm now married, and I have four kids. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so mm. this, is, this is an interesting little. So I planned my first two. And about six months, uh, my second son was about six months old, and we had a surprise, which turned out to be identical twins, who are the light of my life. (laughs) You guys, you should see their faces right now. I always wanted twins until I had one. 
and then so I was had like, a single one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, Lisa, so I did not know that. You didn't? No. So, um, so Jack was almost four, just shy, two weeks shy of being four years old. Luke was um, seventeen months. Oh my gosh. And I had these identical newborns. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm giving you all the praise. <laughs> yeah. I'm well, like, no, give my nanny, <laughs> give my nanny all the praise. Anna Maria, yes. Deanne. But you are, so now you've got out. four kids under the age of four. I have four kids under the age of four. And you're working full time. And I'm working full time. And your husband is an attorney as well. So yes. he's working full time. Correct. So I just remember thinking, well, thank God it isn't triplets, right? <laughs> well, good way to look at it. Glass half full. Yeah. <laughs> but they are the greatest thing that has happened. I mean, how old are they now? 16. Still. 16. And God, they have got to get their driver's license. <laughs> I am just. They're both working at in and out They're amazing kids. Yeah. I'm so glad that that surprise happened. Something in the book you talked about was the work ethic that your parents gave you. Talk a little bit about you earning money to go to camp. Okay, yeah. And and I am doing the same thing with my kids. I grew up understanding from a very early age that life is not fair. I'm going to say that again. (laughs) Life is not fair. This, This quest for equality is like pretending you're Cinderella. It mm-hmm. just, it's a fairy tale. Life can't possibly be equal or fair because it's ever changing. So I, um, I grew up having to do chores, but I was paid for those chores. And so um, my dad taught me how to bill like an attorney at a very <laughs> early age. And so like, Every good Jew from New York goes to summer camp. That's what That's we right. do. We wear black, yes. like we're all three wearing right now. Correct. And we go to summer camp for two months right. out of the out of the year. And my dad's like, okay, if you want to go, you've got to earn half the tuition or the um, whatever the cost is for the camp. Right. I can't remember what it was. It was, you know, expensive sure. and, and all of that. And so let's just pretend it was like $2,000, right? So I would have to earn... A thousand or whatever. Yeah. I don't know what it was. So he said that I would earn a dollar for every hour. Okay. Right. And I'm making these numbers up. I can't remember what they were. And he would, he was in the insurance business at the time. And so he had this paper cutter and he would cut these like, you know, (laughs) strips of paper. Now we have stickies. Back then we didn't have that. But even if we did, he probably wouldn't have bought them. (laughs) I cut the paper, actually. That was one of the chores when I went to his office, you know, with the big ass paper. Nowadays, we would never let our 12 year olds use it, much less. They'll lose a finger for sure. Yeah. 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 So I would have a stack of these papers and I would do my chores and then I would write down the date that I worked, the time that I worked, what the chore I did was, and I'd bill him. Then on Sunday, we'd meet in his office at home. He had a home office and we'd go through my bill. Reconcile. And we would reconcile. That's right. And so that's how, and I had a year to do it. I love your dad so much. But you have to delay gratification. You have to have your end goal. Start with your end goal in mind. So if I'm starting in September, I've just come home from summer camp. I want to prepare for next year, right? Yeah. You're not thinking about it in in April. April. You can't yeah. think about it in April. You can't possibly make it. Right. So if your goal is X, so how much would I have to do in September? How much in October? You know, and so on. And then you have that gratification of seeing you you know seeing yourself 
um, slowly in like incremental move, you know, motion, getting to where your goal is. And it's interesting because that's exactly what I do now. So I didn't, I didn't have that same thing when I did trial work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a valuable lesson. And it's interesting. Um, So the the multi level marketing company that I work for is well, it's it's called Rodan and Fields. It's anti-aging skincare. And by the way, your skin really is glowing. Isn't it gorgeous? It is. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you, ladies. You're welcome. Yeah, I've got to keep true. you around more often. <laughs> no, it's true, though. And um, it's it's funny because I've seen so many interviews with Dr. Katie Rodan and Kathy Field, Dr. Kathy Fields. And one of the things that they have in common with each other and that I identify uh, with them is that they had very strong work ethic drilled into them Mm -hmm. at a very young age by their fathers Mm -hmm. they would have to go to the office and i say have to but they went to the office with them with their dads i think one was a dentist on the weekend they did chores they they were present with their dads and i think moms can do this too right but it's just really interesting and so when i when i look at other very powerful strong successful women entrepreneurs I'm noticing that one of the things, one of the common threads is this work ethic um, that was that was sort of instilled in them um, from a really young age. And so I'm doing that with my kids. And um, I hope, you know, my goal is to sort of make them the most um, functioning, high functioning, happy, adjusted, mm-hmm. um, productive human beings that will contribute something of value did you get pushback from the kids when you're like no you're getting a job or when you sort of which was probably set in motion long before they were old enough to get it go out and get a job I never had I never said you have to get a job they said I can't you know they love working they love it I mean I'm definitely guilty of just handing things over to you I'm not gonna pretend that I'm not right but you have to remember these are the the number three and four kids they watch their older brother work at Target you know they watch the behavior with coming home doing the homework getting the studying out of the way you know they have two older brothers Mm -hmm. to emulate Mm -hmm. Um, and their father works full-time I work Right. And so it was just, you know, it's another thing. Like, I know one of the things that we've talked about is my exercise that I do. I'm Mm -hmm. really, Mm -hmm. again, I think with boys, especially, you have to just do, you have to perform the action. Yeah. And that's going to speak so much more loudly. Mm -hmm. The example. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everybody needs to be that example. I think it's funny when you have parents who are like, my kids are such and such and you look at those parents usually have the same traits that they're complaining about you know right like my kids are just lazy and you're thinking well the apple <laughs> doesn't fall far from the tree you know it's that kind of thing you're you're setting an example and doing i hope so yeah i think so so how did you get out of the world of public defending and on to the next step so um, I have a really good girlfriend, Tamara, and she runs a company here in Orange County. It's Advanced Skin Fitness, and it, she does this amazing body treatment called Endermology. I'm going to give you her number. You're going to have to go see her. But she, um, I had been going to her for years and laying on her table, and it's like a therapist's office. So I was laying there once again complaining about how unhappy I was, um, as a full-time working mother who was never home with her mm. kids, who my amazing uh, nanny, Deanna, here in Orange County when I was here with the kids, 
Um, she taught all four of them how to tie their shoelaces. Oh, no. I missed so many mm-hmm. school plays. I missed pajama day. I missed, you know, funny sock day. Like I, I, I was never in the right place at the right time. I yeah. was screwing up. Um, I felt like I was screwing up their childhood because I wasn't ever there. Right. And when I was in court, I was becoming increasingly more um, resentful. Yes. There's so many cases and so many lawyers in there that I was waiting hours to get one case called. And so I felt like my life was... So I was incredibly unhappy with the balance between family and work. The truth is, is that if if you want to raise your kids in the way I wanted to, I think it's extremely difficult to be a full-time nine-to-five working person and a mom. You can't have it all at the same time. No. Was there a specific defining moment for you where you said, this is it, I'm, I'm walking? Or did you sort of evolve into realizing that nine to five wasn't going to work in your situation? It was a, it was a slow evolution. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing that really pushed it over the edge was um, as your kids start to get into their teen years, you start to realize um, that there's only so many summers before they leave mm, yeah. for college. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and college in my household is as natural as high school. There isn't a choice. Right. Graduate school, you can decide whether or not you want to go. Right. And it's not so much because I think college is for everyone, but I think it's a life experience that they have to have. I don't care I what agree. degree they get. Yeah, I agree. Um, and it's also a nice way to kind of bridge the gap between, you know, being under mom and dad's, you know, sort of caretaking and being on your own. It's this like middle area yeah. that they can it's explore. An it's an evolution for that. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't want to get off on that tangent. So, um, <laughs> but so I was laying there on, t- on Tamara's table and complaining and complaining. And she said, you know, I have a new client and she keeps talking about these amazing trips she's going on. Um, she works for Rodan and Fields and she sells their skincare. Mm. And I looked at Tamara, I was like, you got to be kidding me. I'm a lawyer. I don't know how to sling eye cream. I wash my face with Dove, the same bar of soap that goes on my husband's, you know what? Like seriously, yes. I barely wear makeup, you know, so... I was like, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. And then I'd come back and Tamara would be like, and now she's driving, you know, a car that the company gave her and this and that and the other. I was like, honestly, no, (laughs) thanks. But like, how much could I even make, you know? Right. Calm down, Tamara. Yeah. Please. (laughs) Eventually, her client left me a sample of the skincare. Yeah. And I used it and I was like. This is so much better than Dove. I like it a lot. Eyes wide open. Yeah. So I used it like 1030 at night and I texted the woman. I was like, thank you so much. I love it. I'm definitely going to purchase it. But now I'm I'm curious about the opportunity. Yeah. So I met with her and long story short is I joined knowing that I was going to fail at it. Mm. Was it outdoor? Was it outside? Outdoor? Was it outside sales? What was what was it? So it's it's sales, it's online sales, it's, it's e-commerce, online. it's not um, outside sales. Okay. So so the in so Rodan and Fields used to be in Nordstrom. Oh. And in the high-end department stores. Oh. When they launched Rodan and Fields, they sold their company. Estee Lauder bought it. Oh. 
What? Estee Lauder bought their company and sold it um, in department stores. But the doctors didn't like the way it was um, being sort of... Your skin changes when you use the products, okay? And so if you go into a department store and, you know, there's the MAC counters, the the Lancome counter, the Shiseido counter, whatever, you go... Rodan and Fields is very regimented. Right. It produces change in your skin. Right. And so as your skin changes, your needs change. And without that one-on-one personal um, relationship, like, well, now I'm noticing sun damage. You know, a clerk behind the counter doesn't care whether you buy Rodan and Fields eye cream or Lancome's eye cream. Right. Right. So these doctors bought their company back. Oh. In 2008, in the recession, they bought their company wow. back. Wow. Ballsy. Yeah. That's great. Badass. Yeah, that's so great. And um, they had gone the route of the infomercial with Proactive, their first mm-hmm. creation. Mm-hmm. Oh, they are, they're pro. Rodan and Fields is proactive? Yeah. I didn't even know that. They are, I use yeah, Proactive you forever. Guys, I have to show you the picture. They literally made Proactive in their kitchen with their babies crawling around on the floor. And there's pictures Oh, oh, it's so unbelievable. They're like best friends. I know. My mind is blown because Proactive was life-changing for, for many, me, many teenagers. Me. And Denise. Our tag is life-changing skincare. <laughs> it sounds dramatic, but it is life-changing. It is. It is. So they they sold Proactive mm-hmm. in 2015. In 2015? Oh, so they had it a long time. Okay. Got it. Yeah. They sold Proactive to Nestle Corporation. Oh, okay. Wow. You know, chocolate, skincare, it's all good. But they made, they had built Rodan and Fields, the anti-aging line that, that I sell. Oh. I think in 2002, Estee Lauder had it. They bought it back. And now I sell it. Mm-hmm. Women like me. Mm-hmm. So the way it works is um, we, the multi-level marketing entrepreneurs who work with Rodan and Fields, we're independent contractors. And we sell the product through our website, which is provided to us by corporate, by Rodan and Fields. Okay. So we're all 1099 employees. Oh. We all work this um, in our own way, um, on our own time, mm-hmm. and where we want. All we need is our cell phone or a laptop, mm-hmm. the ability to communicate. Um, and you the, can do it from anywhere in the world. You basically. can do it from the beach. <laughs> you can. <laughs> Which is where you should be doing it from. So I'll tell you where I built my business from. Yeah. I built it from my potty. Sitting on my potty. What? <laughs> um, All good things happen sometimes. Great, great ideas come from the potty. From the potty. Go on. So, when I started this business, I was working full time as a trial attorney. Mm-hmm. And I had the kids were in three different schools. My oldest was in high school, mm-hmm. my middle was in middle, and the twins were in elementary. Sure. So before court, I had to get all of them mm-hmm. to three different schools. I didn't have a driver yet, and get to court. So time was, you know, really short for me. I would get up before I had my coffee, take my cell phone and my readers into the bathroom, sit down, do my morning business, and text people. That's the time you had. That's the time I had, and I got the only the privacy most... you had too. That's right. The mo- well, by that time they're a little older, yeah. so. I... <laughs> yeah. But my point is, is that I utilized every spare minute that I had. Um, to be as efficient as possible. Um, and it worked. I built really quickly. Um, 
And so for people who don't think that they have time to add something in, <laughs> everybody poops. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. You know that book? At what point did the did the success of the your work with Redan and Fields outweigh what you were doing as a lawyer and you decided to just all in on your what began as your side hustle? So about a year and I stopped taking cases, new cases, and then I finished up everything I had. Mm-hmm. And then I just let my license go inactive. You still have to pay for the privilege of having an inactive license in California. Oh, that's nice. Isn't that? <laughs> yeah, it's really great. Yeah. They're so thoughtful. Really, they just, they want sure, what's best for you. I'm sure of they're course. doing really great things with that money. <laughs> Absolutely. So it was about a year, it was a, about two years. Two years, yeah. yeah, by the time you were completely removed from the law game. What's a typical week for you? Is it a 40-hour week it's sparsed out amongst different times of day? I have no idea. Really? I really don't. And I'll tell you why. I'm like all in. I'm. You can't use me as an example because I have a big, big dream and a big, hairy, audacious goal that I want to achieve in this business. And so, you know, my phone is with me like all of us all the time. Yeah. And I... I have a hard time considering what I do actual work. Really? Like, for example, well, yeah, I'm texting Denise. Hey, girl, how you doing? Yeah. Um, are you, you need anything? Are you right. running low? Right. I mean, compare, compare to that what? to mm-hmm. putting on a jury trial and prepping yes. for trial and writing motions. Like, yes. Oh, you have a sun damage spot? I have something for you. Does <laughs> that work? That, that seems very important, though. <laughs> no, it is very important. It is very important work, not just for the people that you're serving, but for also for yourself because I you love it. love it. I love seeing what I'm capable of. Can I, can I build the biggest team inside of Rodan and Fields? How many people can I help build a business of their own? You know, not a lot of people had an upbringing like I did, right? Right. Not a lot of people had parents, my mom and my dad, who instilled the 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 skills or the talents or whatever it is that that I have. And so if I can mentor somebody and help somebody build something for themselves, it doesn't have to be a 40-hour-a-week thing. It can be three customers. Right. It can be their car payment. Right. It can be a couple of hundred dollars so they can go to Target, get their coffee, get away from their kids for a little bit. That's what it's all about. And not have any guilt. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. A lot A lot of people don't understand the multi-level marketing. I think the very first thing somebody thinks of is that's a big pyramid scheme or a scam. Mm-hmm. Totally. So I think the quick answer to that mm-hmm. is... Um, what makes people think that it's a scam is what makes people say how lucky you are mm, to have this that home. Cynicism. Um, not really fully understanding what goes into building something, building a business, and working really hard for what you have. And and I'm gonna explain what I mean. Um when I heard about this opportunity, I didn't know what an MLM was. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what direct selling was. I didn't know what e-commerce really meant, yeah. right? When you're in your lane, you're in your lane, and you're not really sure. focused on anything else. So because I didn't know what these terms meant, I didn't even know that there was a negative like connotation or stigma to it. Um, and it shocks me that there is. 
Because if you think about it, Avon's been around forever. I was just going to say, <laughs> we were brought up on Avon, Tupperware, Jaffra, yeah. New Skin. Mm-hmm. And then it sort of turned ugly. Like you sort of peeled back and saw some of the not so great things that were happening underneath that. Unfortunately, that's the stigma that stays. But that's not necessarily what's actually happening. Right, right. So I think um, people who are either afraid of trying it might say no because they think that there's something illegal about it. Yes. Right? So it's a way to say no without looking into it. Or the people who have been in it and gotten out of it probably didn't have a whole lot of success. Yeah. Um, And I'm sure that there are some bad practices that go on with doctors, Mm -hmm. with lawyers, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. With bad construction workers, pavers, right? There, yeah. there, are, there are people who don't do the job properly or well yeah. in all industries. So I have been in it now for almost five years. I love it. There's nothing illegal about it. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us, what is the MLM? You mentioned it, I think, in your book, or I read about it somewhere. What is the size of the market? I mean, there is... It's all over the world, first of all. Right. Direct selling is all over the world. There's hundreds of companies. Um, it's global. And it's billions and billions of dollars um, in the market. Mm-hmm. And so... I think I read somewhere it's like $55 billion and growing. or I mean, to a place of, this is big money. I mean, this isn't... Something's going right. Let me ask you this. How often do you go to a brick and mortar to shop? Not as often anymore, that's for sure. So where do you shop? Online. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. What 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 was the result of COVID on your business? It improved. Did it? It grew. You got to keep yourself completely dedicated to the cause because there's days when you don't want to do it. How do you do that? Yeah, I'm so glad you said that. And I'm glad you're refocusing me on, on what on this important thing that you're referring to, and that is the concept of discipline over motivation, right? right? And um, it it's something that I focused, I think, pretty heavily, heavily on in the book, and, and there's a reason for that, because, you know, motivation is fleeting. Mm. It's not reliable, right? If it were, then we would all be fit, and our gym memberships would be um, current <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. people who, you know, people would be flocking to the gym in August and October as heavily as they do in January and February. Correct. So, you know, I think a lot of people don't succeed. Most people do not succeed in multi-level marketing, in sales, at the gym, on their diet, yeah, because they struggle with consistency that's it. Right. And belief, consistency and belief. And so I talk about that a lot in the book. Um, you talk about discipline. And I love that idea because it goes back to what we started out as, which was, it's not about luck. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's about hard work. It's about consistent daily effort. Even if you're only working on your health, for 20 minutes a day, or if you're working on your network marketing business for 20 minutes a day, I would rather my team or somebody that I'm working with do 20 minutes a day every day than an hour on Sunday. Ah. Right? 
That's so important. Think about that from a perspective of exercise or dieting. Right. So you starve yourself on Sunday and then you eat pizza all week. Right. That ain't going to work. It doesn't work. Or you work really hard on your business on one day, three hours, but then you disappear for two weeks. Right. That's not going to work. You, you mentioned in your book, it says, an extremely easy way to start and create discipline in your life is to start with the small stuff that seems unimportant. Mm-hmm. Such as? Such as making your damn bed in the morning, oh for example. Doesn't that seem so silly? But what does it do? It creates a habit, right? Mm-hmm. And it's immediate gratification. Right. You have accomplished this. You right? at least got your bed made. You at least got your bed made. What about... 15 minutes of walking every day outside mm-hmm. for three weeks. So you're talking about little things to start out with. Right, right. And one way to do it is, do you guys listen to Real AF with Andy Frazella? Mm-hmm. Okay. So he's got something called a power list. And a lot of other people um, have similar ideas. And, and what it is, is you have five things a day mm. that you write down that you're gonna do. It's sort of a to-do list, but it's within your complete control. So for example, um, what if you started with your power list and made it three things? And this is gonna tie back into what I what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. On my list today, if I wanna start small, and my goal is to build my business, what do you wanna do, build your business or do we wanna use a health um, and fitness Whatever. example? Let's use a fitness example. Um, I am going to write three things down on my power list, three things that I am in complete control of, not lose five pounds this week. Right. Not in con- right? Right. Um, I'm going to walk for 20 minutes outside. I'm going to drink 60 ounces of water and I'm going to eat a salad. Those are my three things. They're small. Mm-hmm. But if I do those three things every day, consistently, what do you think is going to happen to my confidence? Mm-hmm. It's going to go up for sure. What happens, though, on the day I can't get that salad in? Why I, can't you? Because I was eating grilled cheese. The you know, donut. whatever. That, because I chose a donut. So you didn't win that day. Mm-hmm. You don't get to make that little check. <laughs> and and you can't win every day. Right. Right? You can't be successful at that every day. But if you have more wins than losses... yes. Your confidence is going to begin to grow and you're going to be more disappointed in yourself. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And you're going to get back to it the next day. Mm-hmm. And so then that becomes a habit. And all of a sudden, you don't need that on your list anymore. So you're going to take that off your list and you're going to replace that with something else. Because mm-hmm. you're walking every day now because you love it so much and your and body you're starting needs to see it. results. And you're starting to see results. Let me, I'm going to give you a little quote from your book. Consistently focusing on the same small, seemingly insignificant tasks creates a person who will carry that discipline into the bigger areas of her life. Then you go on to say, and this is the part I wanted to emphasize. For example, start with the tiny details of just doing the right thing. Hmm. And I love that because in the book, it talks about doing the right thing. Well, that's one of the core values that I talk about in the book. And um, that, for sure, I have instilled into the kids. You do the right thing. You show up when it's hard. Yeah. Um, so here's a small example. Replace the toilet paper. Oh, <laughs> yes. Right? Right. Please. It's the attention to detail. Put the cart back. <laughs> Put the cart back. <laughs> 
I feel guilty now when I don't. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Open the door for somebody that is coming in behind you or leave it open. What is going on with people? <laughs> and and all of these small things add up to making you feel good about yourself and building your confidence. And when your confidence is high, like legitimately high, yeah. you know what I mean? Yes. Like not, you're not bullshitting yourself. Right. You know you're strong. You know you're capable. You know you have good morals. You know you do the right thing. Right. Um, it will bleed into the areas of your life that you have struggled with in the past. Huh. It just does. It's interesting. I have to think about, I have to <laughs> sit on that for just a minute because you, you know, we compartmentalize ourselves into this, oh, this is what I'm really good at. And then you don't think that that matters, but it actually does because as you're saying, now it's affecting a part of my life I'm not really very good at. You know, it does, it does, there's a crossover there. I think it, yes. And I think that when you begin to trust yourself and you know you know that you can do the small things. Mm -hmm. You're going to trust yourself to be able to do the bigger things yeah. in areas that you didn't think you were good at. I mean, I didn't think that I would be good at selling. <laughs> I love it. It's such a change of world to go from the world of law and oh, public defender. I mean, that's a whole that's a whole situation in itself into sales. And in your book, you talk about that. And I love this. It says, fear is an emotional reaction. Courage is a decision. Hmm. Oh, that sounds good. Wow. Whoever wrote, wrote that is that. really smart. <laughs> I better go back and read that. You, you might want to pick up your own book. I know. What that. emotional reaction and, and, and courage is a decision. So again, it's really taking responsibility for yourself and saying, yeah, I can do this. And it's about, it's or maybe I can't do this, but I'm going to try it because yeah. what, do, you have what do I have to lose? I think that's so important, especially raising kids. I just have one son and we spend a lot of time talking about what if I fail? What if you fail? So what? You tried it and you're going to learn something from it. And you may learn, oh, I'm just not good at that. That's not my thing. But you may also learn that, okay, it may not be my thing, but look what I found out that is my thing that sort of indirectly has to do with what I just tried. You know, failure has become a thing in our society where we're like, oh, you can't fail. You can and you should. If you don't, then there is no success, right? So how many how many computers did Steve Jobs make before he landed on the one, which, by the way, then became a failure, yes, right? Yes, it did. Until the next version came out, until yes. the next version came out. So why is everyone so afraid of failure? Mm -hmm. Is it the, is it, do you think that it's because they don't want other people to see that they tried something and it didn't work, mm -hmm. that they're embarrassed? That's I, part of it. But we always used to tell our son as well. People are so consumed with their own successes and failures. They're not looking at your failure. No one cares. You're the only one who cares about your own failure. So I don't know. Maybe you do think, oh, well, other people are going to see me. That's not the reality. P other people may see you, but it's going to be in a reflection of their own success or failure. You know, and we, this was back in the day when Barry Bonds was on his big streak. And I hate to use him as an example of anything except for steroid <laughs> use. But... The, my son was playing baseball and it was this big thing about how many home runs does Barry Bonds have no one pointed out how many strikeouts Barry Bonds had he had his he was the leader of his not just his team but he was the leader of MLB 
in strikeouts because he had the most hits. That is such a great example because I think personally, the fear is so internal for most people that they cannot get past their own inadequacies of failing. I don't know how to explain it. It just, if you, it, it, so when a new consultant starts with me, the only way to sell your product is to talk about it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, but you're afraid. Well, what if they think this? And what if they think that? And what if I don't sell it? And I, what if they don't like the fact they're going to think I'm just talking to them to say, that's all fear. Mm-hmm. But if you move into action, even though you're afraid and you call five people and you say, look, I've just started this new business. I'm really excited to share it with you. You're going to grow more confident as you do the action Mm -hmm. more, and then the fear will go away. And believe me, it will be replaced by a new fear. (laughs) Yeah, that (laughs) you can be sure. (laughs) What if I don't hit my numbers? What if I don't ever get a new customer? What if nobody ever joins my team? And then once you you move into action, you get rid of that fear. It's going to be replaced by another one. Yeah. That's just how it is. Let's talk a little bit about your creative side. You've written the book, which I think is creative, first of all. And it's, I think it's really hard. It is really hard. <laughs> and it it was really scary. I would imagine. I, I, I had it half written. Um, I um, Someone said something and my fear took over and I stopped writing it for about mm-hmm. two or three years, oh. two years. Because somebody... Because I was afraid, not because of somebody, but because I, I heard somebody say something mm-hmm. and... That I, influenced you enough. I stopped right. working on the book. Why did you start writing a book in the first place? What was the Probably ego. <laughs> oh, no, that's okay. Ego <laughs> drives a lot. So... Like I said, when I first started the business, I was a full-time working lawyer. And so I had to develop my own system, my own method of operating the business on a daily basis. It needed to be super efficient. I created what I called in the toilet. I created the five (laughs) daily steps. Mm -hmm. Um, Step two was in the bathroom, um, (laughs) which is reaching out to five new people a day. Mm -hmm. Um, but my team grew fast and my my sales volume grew fast. And so I started training. People were asking. I started training. And I thought, you know, there's enough room for success. in And, and my method can apply to any direct That's selling I like company. It. Yeah. I like it's, it for it's life. It's not specific. Yeah. Thank you. I really like it for life. It, it can be. Yeah. Thanks. So, um, so I decided, well, why am I keeping this to myself? I should share it with anyone. Maybe it can benefit someone. And I didn't really want, I, I wanted my name to be associated with it. That's mm-hmm. the ego portion of it, of just course. being honest. Yeah. Um, and so I wrote it and it was really, really scary to put it out there. I bet, yeah. I get, you know, I was afraid that people were going to judge me. I was afraid it was going to be shitty and You not, wouldn't sell it. It wouldn't be successful. All the things. Right. Yeah. But I did it anyway because why not? Yeah. Action cures fear. The truth is, is that people are going to talk about you. <laughs> Absolutely. Whether you like it or not. And it's none of your fucking business <laughs> what they say about you. Because it isn't true. Mm-hmm. And if it is true, oh well. Oh well. Yeah. It's not my problem. <laughs> it really, really isn't. Not. It's absolutely not. Yeah. So there it is. So while I was writing the book, I was working with my then power partner. Her name's Bridget Cavanaugh. She happens also to be with Rodana Fields. <laughs> and we were talking about ways to motivate our team. She works on one team. I work on another. We don't make each other any money. We were just, you know, accountability and power partners. And 
we decided um, to put these income-producing activities that we do on a daily basis onto DICE to gamify the daily actions that you have to take as a network marketer. So in my book is the five daily steps, but there's 12 sides to, <laughs> you had to, to die, right? So I was like, well, what other things do we do that produce income over time right? in addition to the five daily steps? And we, you know, went back and forth and out came the dice. And so Direct AF sells, you know, custom dice. Yeah. And it's funny because um, I go to a lot of entrepreneurial events that have nothing to do with network marketing right. and direct selling. And I was sharing about the dice and anybody in sales can benefit, yeah. apparently, according to these these people. The dice are available on directafsales.com. Right. So you log on there and you, I logged on last night and there, there's something adorable about dice. But at the same time, it, I was like... I. I was so happy to see something that was just going to tell me, here's your here's your goal for the day. Here's what you can do for, for so today. So the idea is you roll the dice, and whatever comes up on that dice is what you do for the day. That's right. And so go back to the idea of the three things to do on your power list. Mm -hmm. Let's drop it down to two. Mm -hmm. Let's make your power list about working your network marketing business, right? You get up in the morning, the dice are sitting on your nightstand. You roll them. You get two things. At some point during the day, before you go head to pillow that night, you have to do this. Execute on two things. Yeah. Less than five minutes a day. Give right. us an example of what's on one of the sides of the dice. Create an event for your network. Mm -hmm. Plan an event, right? So right. pick a date. Yeah. Done. Is it easy or hard to keep people motivated? It's impossible. Okay. Oh. It's impossible to motivate the unmotivated. Oh. How interesting. I mean, you can temporarily, right? right. Like here's a, um, if you do X, then I'm going to give you Y. Mm -hmm. But really, you know, the, the entrepreneurs that really see success financially um, it, are the people that have the internal drive. Yeah. You either have it or you're willing to learn how to develop it. Right. Like developing discipline, right? Yeah. It's it's like a muscle, right? Nobody's born being disciplined, <laughs> no, absolutely not. But the good news is we can all become disciplined if we choose to, yeah, to work on it. You're so goal oriented, goal motivated. What do you see in the near future and the future future for your business and for yourself? So in the near future, on Sunday, mm -hmm. we're leaving for Dubai. Stop it. I oh, can't. I, uh, no, don't. I've what? never been. I've never been. And what's in, what are you doing in Dubai? I'm going to a multi-level marketing mastermind with like people I'm in awe of, like people like Fraser Brooks. I've and heard you talk about this on the podcast. I'm super excited for you. It's finally coming. I know. Did my you husband... have to be invited or is this something you could say, this is where I want to be? Oh, no. I, I it, it, so You, you can go and do it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, so while we're there. Mm. Um, is your husband going with you? He is. Oh, that's yeah. exciting. The fun thing about these events is that, um, you you know, you have your lectures and your learning time and all of that. And, and then you go and you do fun things together sure. because... You know, network marketing is, whether you're with my company or any other company, really, it's a self-development journey. 
Yeah. Into becoming the best version of yourself. And so you asked me, like, what's in the near future? What are the goals? The goal is to continue to learn more and more for myself, for my customers, but also for my team Mm -hmm. so that I can pour into whoever wants to join the team and receive what I have to offer them so that they can then become the best version of themselves on their journey and the ripple goes on and on you know you throw a stone into the lake you don't really know the end of the impact but it's a beautiful um experience yeah butterfly effect you don't realize what your single action is gonna is gonna do down the road but also you said something very important like you can't you can't help others become better if you yourself are not confident and the best that you can be and by going things like this going to those kinds of things in dubai oh my gosh have you been no but i'm just like i'm just so envious right now it's gonna be amazing come with (laughs) (laughs) yeah so by doing those things that make you a better version of yourself then you can impact the people around you We're so happy that you were able to come. And the one thing that we ask our guests, as you know, is to give us a little tag, a takeaway gift. Do you have one for us? I do, and I hope that you love it. Um, (laughs) I'm sure we will. (laughs) I guarantee it. So what I want everybody to do is I want them not to think about their why so much. I don't know if you're familiar with Simon Sinek and Mm -hmm. how he talks about knowing your why I think it's more important that you know your what. Mm. So determine what it is you want and go after it until it's accomplished. And then rejoice in that, feel the joy of your accomplishment. And then set another what for yourself. It's not enough to know why you're doing something. It's not motivational enough. It's not. It's too tangential. mm -hmm. Is that... Did I say that word right? You did. Mm-hmm. Well, she's the wordsmith. She would know. But so, I see what, the why is like, because I want to be helpful to others, because I want to feel the accomplishment. What is the what in your life? What are you, what are you working towards? Well, so for example, let's set, um, let's set our what small. Let's set our what as I want to make $1,000 this month. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do I need to do to accomplish that? Not why I need $1,000, right? But right. If, if I need to push myself to get to work, uh, what's what are you going to focus on? Accomplishing what you set out. I need the $1,000. So start with your what, work toward it, achieve it, keep going, and then set a new one. So what am I working toward? Well, Dubai. I was working toward Dubai. So that's going to be here in a second. Well, that's done, right? I come back, it's done. Now what? What's going to keep me motivated or disciplined to keep going? Yeah, not why. Setting another what. I love it. Love it too. So it's not about your why, it's about your what. That's the takeaway. I love it. Uh, Lisa, thank you so much. I'm so inspired. I could talk to you for another two hours. We want to make sure and plug all of Lisa's many endeavors. Get on Amazon. Look up Lisa Hawker for her book, Direct AF Sales. It, it was an Amazon bestseller. It was? 
Yes, it was. I know that. <laughs> you knew it. I did know. Also, Lisa has a podcast. Lisa, what's the name of your podcast? Just Direct AF. Direct AF. Yep, Direct AF. You can also get online, and I did the search just Lisa Hawker and Dice, <laughs> and they come right up. Oh, good. Yeah. So you can find those anywhere. They're super I hope fun. they're helpful for people. They are. You know, a way to gamify the mundane tasks of what it takes to I build. Think it, I think it is. It's, I think it's a, I think it's such a simple idea that is really genius. And you li- literally don't have to overthink it. No. And that's what they're all about. It thinks for you. The dice <laughs> think for you. They Thank tell you. you what to do until it becomes so routine. Oh, I wish you could make regular dice for just like So things. many people have said that. And other like, people have requested dice for chores for their kids. Oh. Let's get on it. Do it. There's do your it. next side hustle, Lisa. Lisa the dice lady. <laughs> <laughs> She's got great skin and great dice. That's- <laughs> It's a rare combination. <laughs> uh, now I'm going to have to get big fuzzy dice to hang from oh, my yeah. uh, windshield or yeah, my uh, rearview mirror exactly. in my car. You, you already imagine? have them. Don't lie. <laughs> you already have them. We're so glad to have you on, though. Uh, we'll uh, make sure that all of Lisa's information is on all of our social medias so that you can connect directly with Lisa and all of her great products and see what it is that she's doing. In the meantime, we're two average girls. I'm Ann Police. And I'm Denise Cooper. We'll see you next time. For more information on the Direct AF Sales book or custom dice course or workbook, go on over to directafsales.com. There's going to be a discount code for all the listeners there. It's code DIRECTAF20 and grab yours today. Thanks for listening to today's show. Please leave me a review. Make sure you subscribe and even better, share it with a friend so that we can share our message and our content and help as many people as we can. Thanks, guys.